We are very happy to have as our speaker today the devoted son of a distinguished father and of a very illustrious grandfather. His grandfather, who lived at Cove Fort, round Fillmore, decided when his boys became old enough for high school education that he would bring them to the Brigham Young Academy in Provo. So living as he was in pioneer times, he hitched up a team of horses to a white top, tied a cow behind the white top so that they would have milk to drink on the way to Provo, put his family in the white top and brought them to Provo. One of those sons was Bryant Hinckley, the father of our speaker today. The father has been the father and his father are the individuals after whom our Hinckley Halls are named, in which many of you are living. The father of our speaker is still living after a very long and useful life at the age of 93. Brother Hinckley, our speaker, in addition to being a descendant of these pioneer forebears, is also a descendant of the Pilgrim Fathers. So the family has been in America for a long time. Elder Hinckley was graduated from the University of Utah with a degree in English. The following year, he was called to the European Mission, and after serving five months the British Mission, he served the rest of the time in the office of the European Mission President because of his recognized ability. Upon returning home, he became secretary of the newly organized Church Radio Publicity and Mission Literature Committee, and as its executive secretary has written and produced many of the church radio programs, including A New Witness for Christ, which was presented over KSL in 1950. I'm happy this morning to introduce to you a great missionary, a great educator, he's taught in our seminaries, a great administrator, and one who, above all, is a devout and exemplary Latter-day Saint, a member of the Assistance to the Quorum of the Twelve, Elder Gordon B. Hinckley. Brother President Wilkinson has talked about my father and grandfather. The only comment I can make is that the chip is never as big as the block. It's a delightful thing, my brethren and sisters, to be with you this morning. One can never look at a group like this and realize the great capacity for good that one man has in the world without sensing something of the power for good that lies in this student body. The vast potential to make the, the world in which we live a better place. 
There are many things that I think I'd like to talk about, but in view of the season, I see no alternative and wish no alternative other than to share with you a few thoughts concerning him whose birth we commemorate, the man of miracles. Though he healed the sick, raised the dead, caused the lame to walk and the blind to see, there is no miracle comparable to the miracle of Christ himself. We live in a world of pomp and muscle. This is the world of Khrushchev, the strutting world that glorifies jet thrust and far-flying warheads. It was seen before with all of its misery in the days of Genghis Khan, Caesar, Napoleon, and Hitler. In this kind of world, it is not easy to realize that a babe born of poor and unknown parents in a stable of the small community of Bethlehem, a boy reared as a village carpenter, a citizen of a conquered and subdued nation, a man whose mortal footsteps never reached beyond the narrow borders of his own land, who never received a school degree, who never lifted his voice in a great pulpit, who never owned a home, who traveled afoot and without purse that it was he who was the creator of heaven and earth and all that in them are, that he is the author of our salvation, and that his is the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, that he should motivate men and women to brave the ocean and thread the wilderness as none other has ever done, that he should have inspired the greatest political system the world has known, under which all men are created equal and endowed with certain inalienable rights, that he should have inspired education and culture and mercy, as witness this and many other great institutions of learning, hospitals, and a thousand charities that have blessed the people of the earth, that he should become the greatest power for peace in all the world. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I bring to you this morning the question given the shouting mob by Pilate 2,000 years ago. 
What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What shall you, my brethren and sisters, do with Jesus, which is called Christ? I ask you that question, and at this season I ask another. What really does Christmas mean? Christmas means giving. The Father gave his Son, and the Son gave his life. Without giving, there is no true Christmas. And without sacrifice, there is no true worship. There is more to this than neckties, cufflinks, engagement rings, and all the tinseled stuff of which we make so much. Let me repeat something that I heard the other day. It was in a state conference in Idaho in a rural town. A member of the state presidency told it. He runs a building supply business. A farm family in that community had contracted for the installation of a bathroom in their home. They had never had one before. The father came to the building supply dealer and said, Will it be all right with you if we cancel that contract? The bishop talked with John about a mission last night, and so we'll go outside for another two years. Then the building supply man said, The young man will go on his mission." and he will find a bathroom in the house when he returns. There is the spirit of Christmas, the family which sends a boy into the world to teach the gospel, and friends who come to lift the family out of their problems. What shall you do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Christmas means giving, and the gift without the giver is bare. Give of yourselves. Give of your substance. Give of your heart and mind and strength to bring to pass his eternal purposes and to spread the cause of his eternal truth. Christmas means the Christ child, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger while angels sang and wise men traveled far to bring gifts. It is a beautiful and timeless story, and I hope that you'll read it again this season. But when I think of the coming of the Savior, I think not only of the words of Matthew and Luke, but also of the words of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here is something more than a babe in a manger. 
Here is the creator of all that is good and beautiful. I have looked often at this majestic mountain rising behind us against a blue sky and thought of Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth. I've stood on a spit of sand in the Pacific and watched the dawn rise like thunder, a ball of gold surrounded by clouds of pink and white and purple, and thought of Jesus the Word by whom all things were made and without whom was not anything made that was made. I have seen a beautiful child, many of them, bright-eyed, innocent, clean and trusting, and marveled at the majesty and miracle of creation. What, shall, what then shall you do with Jesus that is called Christ? This earth is his creation. When we make it ugly, we offend him, for the earth is his footstool. Our bodies are the work of our Creator. When we abuse them, we abuse him. Know ye not that ye are the temples of God. Christmas means eternity. As certainly as Christ came into the world, lived among men, laid down his life, and became the firstfruits of them that slept, so shall all men live eternally. Death may and will come, but death has been robbed of its sting and the grave of its victory. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he that liveth and believeth shall never die. I stood a few days ago before the bier of a young man whose life had been bright with hope and promise. He had been an athlete in his high school, a student, I think, for one year at this university. A friendly, affable, brilliant young man. He had gone into the mission field. He and his companion were riding down the highway when a car coming from the opposite direction moved into their lane and crashed head-on into them. He died in the hospital an hour later. As I stood at the pulpit and looked into the faces of his father and his mother, there came into my heart a conviction that I had never before felt with such assuredness. I knew as I looked across that casket that he had not died but had merely been transferred to another field of labor to commence his mission so well begun here. What shall you do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Live today as if you were going to live forever. For you surely shall. Live with the conviction that whatsoever principle of intelligence and beauty and truth and goodness that you attain unto in this life, it shall rise with you in the resurrection. Live with the certain knowledge 
that someday we shall be brought to stand before God, knowing even as we know now and have a bright recollection of all our guilt. Christmas means compassion and love and most of all forgiveness. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. How poor indeed would be our lives without the influence of his teachings and his matchless example. The lessons of the turning of the other cheek, going the second mile, the returning of the product, the return of the prodigal. These and scores of others have somehow filtered down to become a catalyst to bring kindness and mercy out of man's natural inhumanity to man. Brutality reigns where Christ is banished. Witness the pogroms of Hitler. Read the diary of Anne Frank, the Jewish girl who became the tragedy of a nation that forsook Christ. Read the tale of present-day Russia and China. Witness the devil-inspired meanness of those of our own land. What shall you do then with Jesus that is called Christ? What doth the Lord require of thee, O man, but to do justly and to love mercy? and to walk humbly with thy God. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord, for there remaineth in him the greater sin. Christmas means peace. Four years ago this month, I was in Switzerland. At that time, Russian tanks were rolling down the streets of Budapest, and students were being slaughtered with machine gun fire. I stood that day in the railroad station in Bern, Switzerland. At 11 o'clock in the morning, every church bell in Switzerland began to ring. And at the conclusion of that ringing, everything stopped. Every car on the highway, every bus, every railroad train, that great cavernous station became deathly still. I looked out the front door across the plaza. Men were working on the great hotel that stands across the street, standing on scaffolding with bared heads. Every bicycle stopped, and every man and woman and child dismounted and stood with bared and bowed heads. And then after three minutes of reverent pause, Trucks, great convoys of them, began to roll from Geneva and Bern and Basel and Zurich toward the Austrian border and across Austria to the Hungarian border laden with supplies, food and clothing and bedding. And the gates of Switzerland were thrown over to refugees.
As I stood there that December morning, I couldn't help marveling at the miraculous contrast. The devil incarnate, as represented by the oppressive power of the communists, mowing down students on the streets of Budapest with the spirit of a Christian people in the land of Switzerland who bowed their heads in reverence, then rolled up their sleeves to provide succor and salvation. What shall you do then with Jesus who is called Christ? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. He whose birth we commemorate this season is more than the symbol of a holiday. He is the Son of God, the Creator of the earth, the Jehovah of the Old Testament, the fulfillment of the law, the Redeemer of mankind, the King of kings, the Prince of peace. And now, after the many testimonies that have been given of him, this is the testimony, last of all, which we give of him, that he lives. For we saw him even on the right hand of God, and we heard the voice bearing record that he is the only begotten of the Father, that by him and through him and of him the worlds were and are created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God. To which testimony I add my own this Christmas time. In his holy name, amen. <laughs>